VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. No, no, Patty. Patty is off this week. It's Tim Powers here with you. Linda was in last week. We're uh, double teaming you uh, to give you all that we can on VOCM's open line. Happy to to be here. Hope Patty is having a a good, well-deserved break. He uh, was a hardworking man, as I always say when I sit in for him, and he certainly is that. How is everybody today? What a weekend in Newfoundland and uh, Labrador. I was lucky enough to be home for a few days. I'm unfortunately back in Ottawa now, and if uh, if the uh, the radio dies, blame Rogers because I have Rogers Internet. It was apparently down while I was gone, as uh, you may have heard me say to Ben earlier this morning. But I was home in Newfoundland with my uh, my little boy Patrick, and we uh, we had a great time. Home for three days didn't seem quite long enough. Never seems quite long enough. I'll go through the ordeal of flying there in a minute, but uh, great time. Did a uh, little tour with Iceberg Quest. Uh, what a great little business they have, like many businesses in Newfoundland, not just signaling them out. Uh, they took us out. We saw a fin whale. We saw the e- one of the eagles over on uh, Cape Spear, a bunch of puffins, of course, and a lovely Saturday afternoon with them. They were just uh, wonderful, wonderful to, to Patrick and all the other guests that were there. Let him drive the boat. Uh, maybe he'll become a, a naval captain now. Uh, it was, uh, was, was, was awesome, and then we uh, got to see bits and pieces pieces of the folk festival and I know our own Greg Smith is very involved in that and Ben was invo- <laughs> involved in that many people at VOCM uh, take part in the folk festival and uh, all that great music and action. It was so nice to see uh, Bannerman Park all done up and uh, people going back and forth there and happy faces. That's the thing I notice most. It always comes out with the sun, but the sun in Newfoundland in the summer is probably one of the best things in the world. People are just energized and in in a good frame of mind and that's uh, impressive given a lot of the circumstances that we are uh, we are going through I, we went down on uh, George Street no no I'm not getting my son on the uh, on the booze at a young age but we went down in the afternoon went down on Water Street uh, in the uh, the pedestrian mall as it now is had a great walk around saw a couple of VOCM callers including Doc O'Keefe driving a tour bus and taking people around he, he stopped and we had a few words and a couple of other people I ran into but uh, the energy the action it is so good to see people out out, um, people engaged, people not held back by um, concerns of, of COVID, though, as you just heard Brian say in the news, their new strain that, of course, people are very worried about. Anyway, none of that was present uh, this weekend when we were uh, we were home, and uh, I was uh, just so delighted to do all that. Now, getting there, <laughs> I have to say it actually wasn't that bad. We went through Montreal, and we, our flight from Montreal to Ottawa was canceled. Uh, thankfully, we were well looked after by uh, Air Canada. I know we can't always say that, but that wasn't entirely the case. They got us a spot for the night, and we got on the direct flight the next day, which was jam-packed. Um, but you, my goodness, you know, the stories you're hearing from people in airports, and uh, I don't think they're all tall tales. Of course, we all embellish a little bit, even me from time to time. Um, but I heard one gentleman talk about trying to get back from Brazil to 
at Toronto and they rerouted him through Montreal and it was taking days. And you look, you just just look anywhere near the baggage carousels and it's a sea of bags. You can totally um, imagine the frustration people who have uh, traveled and checked baggage are experiencing. Pro tip, asked my travel agent before I went, to pack or not to pack, or sorry, we obviously pack a bag, to uh, have your bag uh, go into the baggage or to carry on. Carry on, carry on, carry on. Pro tip. I know it's a pain because, you know, we all get on the planes and you have that great scene where everybody's stuffing bags into the overhead compartments or under the seats and it slows everything down. But if you want your bag, carry it. But as I say, my goodness, a wasteland uh, of of uh, bags all over the uh, the Montreal airport. On the way back yesterday, another pro tip I've I've learned recently, and again, maybe secondhand knowledge to uh, uh, some of you, and and obvious to others. Try to fly through Halifax. I know it can be a little bit longer, but they're not having the problems that Montreal and Toronto are. And if you can source flights through Halifax, um, that. Uh, get you to places that would normally have you rooting through Montreal or Toronto go for it right now because as my travel agent told me and yes I still do use a travel agent because they're more valuable than ever right now let me tell you that he said if you don't have to travel this summer uh, in terms of flying don't <laughs> and I'm sure that's discouraging uh, for people to hear but when people who make their living selling plane boats and other tickets rail tickets are telling you hey if you can put your travel off put it off um that tells you something um that said back to newfoundland and we, we patrick and i ran into lots of people who were visiting the province we were at my mom's and two people who from toronto came up and visited her garden by the way she's got a great garden there on empire avenue uh, and she always welcomes people to to come and have a look at it if you're going between uh, uh kingsbridge and forest you'll you'll see it there um but these people had come up. They were raving about Newfoundland. They had no real complaints. Uh, I think people who are committed to travel and want to go home and want to experience everything that we have to offer, just do it. They recognize what's going to happen in terms of getting there. But when they get there, <laughs> if they haven't booked a rental car, well, there's a whole other issue. But when they get there, they're happy. And these people from Toronto were happy. The people we saw on the Iceberg Quest boat were happy. Everybody was great. There's just almost this burden that leaves you when you get home to Newfoundland and uh, are able to walk about. Certainly that was true of the tourists. Just have to say this about travel, and I was talking to a few people yesterday uh, on the flight about it. I know we all have this inclination to lose it on the people who we first see, which tend to be the uh, the people who are, you know, WestJet Air Canada, PAL, Flair, Scoop, whomever uh, are the, uh, are the uh, ticket agents and the like. There's some blame to go around with airlines, but they're struggling just as much as everybody else is. This problem with travel is so multifaceted. It involves <clears throat> Nav Canada. It involves CATSA. It involves the airlines. It involves the airport authorities. It involves an issue that all companies are experiencing right now, labor shortage. It involves, um, obviously, the government's different health care, the health and wellness public policy around COVID that still exists. It's just so multi-layered. I'm not making excuses for it. I'm just saying to you, don't give them hell, uh, the people at the uh, airline desks, about flights being delayed and, and the like. Uh, generally, it isn't their fault. Now, 
and they get a pass for now. Sometimes it becomes the airline's fault, but we're giving them a pass for now. Speaking of airlines, I saw a great picture in the uh, Telegram that uh, Alex Newhook is home. Uh, if you're listening, Alex, well done. Congratulations. I great picture of his grandmother and his mom greeting him uh, down those escalator that we've all uh, seen and been on often coming home. Uh, I read that the Stanley Cup will be in the province sometime in August. I'm sure that's going to be one hell of a party, and it, it should be. It's a wonderful achievement. The third Newfoundlander to win the Stanley Cup and the third time the Cup comes to Newfoundland with a player from the province who is going to celebrate. I imagine the streets will be packed with people uh, as uh, Alex parades the Cup in St. John's or does whatever the hell he wants to do with it because that's his choice. Anyway, well done. So that's a lot of positive stuff. Now, you're doing one of these call-in shows. you got to you know stoke up people a little bit. So not be meaning to create a religious war here, but I do have this passing fancy to understand why, oh why, Orangeman's Day is a holiday in Newfoundland and Labrador, the only province in Canada that celebrates a holiday that's neither good nor bad, just the fact. Did you know, because I had to do a little bit of research on this this morning, so provincial government offices are closed today, and again, I'm not uh, crapping on provincial civil servants, but why do we celebrate Orangeman's Day? It goes back to the 1600s when William III was victorious over James II in two battles, not just one, the Battle of the Boyne on July 1st and the Battle of Ogbrium on July 12th, which is tomorrow, and we celebrate Orangeman's Day, or the holiday is recognized in Newfoundland and Labrador. It's the closest day to July 12th. So, uh, <laughs> why? Why? Why are we still having this as a public holiday? I know it's part of contract negotiations, and when things get entrenched, they get entrenched. Maybe they could just do as they do here in Ontario, call it Family Day. But it just seems really antiquated that we're celebrating a battle. And I know our Irish heritage. I'm part of that Irish heritage that recognizes the, the Orangemen, uh, the Protestants in Ireland, and this is a Protestant saying this to you, uh, and the, the, the battles and the roles they played in the 1600s and, and onwards. But why? Why? Why are we still celebrating Orangemen's Day? Why is it a public holiday? Anybody marching today? Remember in the 70s and 80s when Ian Paisley was in Northern Ireland, Dr. Paisley at his best, you'd see these big orange order parades. Anyway, if there's an orange order parade, somebody please call me and tell me about it today because I just don't get why we still celebrate a holiday like that. And again, I hope I haven't started a, a war around religion, but somebody explain that to me. And explain this to me. And again, everybody who listens to this show knows I've got some heritage in Labrador. My dad spent a lot of time up there, built a lot of roads, including the Trans-Labrador Highway. And if this project, if he were still alive today, probably would have a go at this project that's being talked about again. And that's the fixed link in Labrador. VOCM News reporting, and no, uh, I don't doubt the reporting. I don't doubt the desire that um, the government of Newfoundland and Labrador, and Lisa Dempster, I think the minister said this, 
the other day is still looking at a fixed link in Labrador. Again, like Orangeman's Day, why? Why do we want to spend this money? And again, I love you, Labrador, but I don't get it. Is the traffic there? Is the volume there? Is it going to make a huge economic difference? Can we recover the money? Why do we keep teasing people about things that we know are so unrealistic. But if Lisa Dempster wants to call or somebody in Labrador wants to call and make the case for the fixed link there, please do, because I just don't get it. I mean, why do we have this fantasy and fancy for big mega projects and the desire to to have them built? Uh, particularly, and again, not um, giving Labrador undue grief. Everybody in Labrador love the place. Going up there next week, in fact. But the population is uh, less than 50,000, if I, my memory is correct. It was 35, I think, the time. Yes, there's some important projects up there, and there's opportunities up there. What justifies the cost of going forward with all of that? I do not get it. Uh, not that they're going forward right away with it, but why do we keep dangling it out there? Yes, we'll someday build a fixed link. And uh, and I will walk across water. Not going to happen. Probably the fixed link's not going to happen. But I am prepared to eat my bowler hat, which you wear on Orangeman's Day, if uh, that does happen. Speaking of industrial development, um, encouraging, I think, if you are a proponent of oil and gas, to see some news the latter part of last week. First of all, energy ministers from across the country were meeting in the province. You had uh, Jonathan Wilkinson, the natural resources minister, say something very very different than Stefan Gibault did, Stephen Gibault, excuse me, the environment minister. Uh, he was more positive about Beta Nord uh, not being the last big oil project in the province. He certainly was doing what a good natural resources minister should do, talk about the potential of natural resources. He and Andrew Parsons, our uh, minister of, uh, of energy, among Andrew's other uh, roles and responsibilities, uh, were also talking about green hydrogen and the opportunity that exists there. And then this leads us to the other opportunity. You may have heard me talk to Ben about it. The Germans want to buy our natural gas. The Germans are coming, this time for good. And and that is for LNG. Yes, that was a reference to the Second World War jokes allowed to be made in this case. But I know some proponents, my friend Leo Power, many others, proponents of liquefied natural gas. The Germans want two LNG ports, terminals, I should say, uh, in eastern Canada. Why? Because, as we've seen in this war with uh, Russia in the Ukraine, their dependence on Russian product is such uh, that it helps enable um, Russia to in, in, enrich itself and do some of the things that it wants to do. Germany also wants more constant supply, once, which it can be done from eastern Canada. Many people have always talked about this. Olaf Scholz, the chancellor, is coming to Canada in August to meet with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. Uh, this could be good news for Newfoundland and Labrador and the whole Atlantic region, uh, particularly in New Brunswick. There are a couple of major LNG projects there. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Again, I know it can be as contentious as oil, but um, LNG, people will argue, it's less corrosive to the environment, less of a footprint in terms of GHG emissions. You want to talk about that? Give me a call. And the last thing I'd say before we go to break and take your calls is we're going to have, uh, at about 9.45 this morning, probably seen this guy on TV from time to time, 
time. Eric Grenier, he runs this great uh, site called The Writ, and we're going to talk the mess that is federal conservative politics. Because if I don't talk politics on this show, I will have lost my bearings. Anyway, I want your bearings. I want your calls. Remember, you can get me uh, on Twitter, at Powers Tim. You can email us at openline at vocm.com. And, of course, you can call. The numbers are going to be thrown at you momentarily. Time for a break here, and then your calls and lots of chat here on VOCM's Open Line. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. This is Open Line on VOCM. Well, welcome back again. Tim Powers in for Patty. I love that Puffin commercial. Oh, gosh, we saw a Puffin on the weekend when we were doing the boat tour. They are such resilient birds and such personality. More resilient, some may say, than an Internet service provider. And we've got Mary online, too, who wants to talk about the challenges she has had. And I think, are you still having them, Mary, with Rogers, or is it fixed? Yeah, good morning, Tim. Uh, no, it's, it's still off, yeah. And it's been off since... Um Friday morning. Oh, my goodness. So the phone was off as well, of course, and then that came back uh, supper time Saturday, but still no Internet. And have you been able to get anybody, Mary, get any information? Because I'm seeing these stories of people trying to reach out, and I know what happens. Like, it's almost impossible to get customer service when there is, a, is an outage. Have you gotten anybody? Is anybody? Have you talked to a human who can help you? Yeah, I know you're joking now, Tim. <laughs> I'm going to laugh for three hours when I get off the phone with you about that. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I called the, the, the Rogers this morning and uh, just got they got a, like an outgoing message on there saying, um, I don't remember now exactly what, my brain is just in a fog. Um, you know, well, I can imagine, say, it's, uh, like, it, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Mary. Yeah, it's something like about some people have been uh, back on and other ones are, you know, we still have to wait till they come back on, so... But there's nothing really to say. I'm calling from Gander, so mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm the only one in Gander or the only one in, in Canada that doesn't have the Internet. I, I doubt that I am. So I'm hoping maybe some other people can call in today yes. so I don't feel so alone if I, if any, anybody else uh, is without it. Well, according to the, the CEO, Mary, you're going to get some break on your bill, right? They're going to, they're going to look after people whose services was interrupted. I, I love – I can't wait to see how all of that is going to go. Listen, tell me, because this is the one of the fascinating things about this, as frustrating as it all is. So how reliant is your house and your life on, on the Rogers service, on the wireless service? Tim, my life is um, it's very reliant on it um, because I live alone, so I, okay. I have to combat the loneliness mm-hmm. as much as I can. Yeah. So um, I have my iPad, and this is this is the thing that sort of gets me through every 24-hour days that I still have to be alive, which I really don't want to be alive, but I am alive. So um, it's really – I'm sorry. 
No, I, that's I okay. No, I to, if I knew I was going to be this emotional, I wouldn't have got on. Mary, open Mary, line. all, all, all okay. I told. Listen, your honesty is 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 wonderful. It's okay, totally okay. But you make such a good point because for so many people, it's the way we connect with the world. Whether it's you know watching Netflix or whether it's emailing somebody or looking at videos of of family on uh, uh, that that are sent to us or looking at YouTube. It's it's people kind of laugh it off and say get over it but in your case and the case of so many others it's so important to you right yeah that's right i mean that's that's my uh, my mainstay so there's you know like i had the vocm on and i just i highly criticize rogers uh for not putting on like every half hour they should have something to vocm and so that VOCM got something to say, like they should put it on every half hour and the top of the hour, something, even if it's the same thing, like say something. I would, I don't know what day it was now. Like I say, I'm just living in a fog here, um, you know, since uh, Saturday morning. Um, so I've been listening to the VOCM and waiting like every half hour to see if they're going to say anything else, the top of the hour to see if they're going to say anything else. And of course, I had I had the radio on anyway, just to hear a human voice, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, because it's nice to hear a human voice. Um, right, right, and uh, you're you're hearkening back to the importance again of what what contact means for people, right? And that's why so yeah. many people still listen to the radio and 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 engage with social media and and uh, just they just want to have human connectivity and we get it in different ways. Two two very quick questions for you because I want to respect your time. One is, do you make I mean does it give you any great sense of comfort? Do you feel like something's going to get done because the federal industry minister is now summoning all of the uh telecom providers to say this shouldn't happen? or do you just see that as a, a, a political stunt to capitalize at the moment? Well, I haven't really thought about that yet because I just want to I just want to get my internet back basically. Yeah. But uh, I think it was off, you know, like uh, uh, not very long ago. And I think it might have just been a month or so ago. It was off for a 24 hour period then too. Yeah, so the, the, I, that's I, right. I, I had another outage. A while. There were there were a couple of different outages. That you're absolutely right. I remember that one because I as I mentioned, I have Rogers at home and Telus for work. And uh, anyway, it, it it was off for a while. Yeah, you, so like, by the yeah, way, yeah. Mary. By the way, you've spawned another call, and we'll go to Donna in a second. It's just the last question for you: Do okay. you have other options in uh, in in Gander? I mean, do you have Bell or others that if you wanted a different service, you could get? Uh, yes, I, like I got my my cell phone is on on Bell, okay. but everything else is on uh, is on Rogers. Okay. So like I had a few uh, little games, you know, like that were yeah. already downloaded, like the backgammon and stuff. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be an expert at backgammon. <laughs> I, just, I can tell you, there's nobody going to be able to beat me at that. <laughs> well, there's what was the other one? There used to be Brickbuster or something that was a great phone game for a while. All right, well, thank you for calling. And if Rogers, you're listening, please get Mary's internet fixed and everybody else's as well. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna leave you, Mary, and go to Donna, who's also struggling with uh, some rogers outage but thanks for joining us mary listening thank you donna before david i'll get to you in a second i promise but i want to talk to donna uh and the rogers outage uh and your you this is also vital to you tell us about what's happened and why it's so important that you get your internet back up and working good morning ken morning donna uh 
No, my internet is working, uh, but my own phone is not. Okay. So this is the, like, uh, I know it's probably today's world is, is, you know, with home phones, no odds, but to me it is. My husband had a stroke eight years ago, so okay. we're connected to Lifeline. Okay, and that is so run by it. Rogers or run by Rogers Technology? Uh, yes, we have uh, Rogers, okay. like the box we brought in, and the Rogers okay. is connected up to, and then it goes right on to Lifeline. So Saturday morning at 10 to 2, the phone was ringing. So I didn't, you know, didn't answer it, but it rang again. When I got up and looked, this was Lifeline. And they said, uh, Patty, do you need help? I said, uh, uh, I ran up to the other room because my husband's in the other room. Mm -hmm. And I said, Patty, you okay? But anyway, he was like, he opened his eyes and he said, yes. So I don't know okay. if that was caused by the Rogers interruption. Huh. And uh, scared me. Last evening, same thing again. They were calling, and the phone was no good. So, you know, last time that happened, and they didn't answer. They had sent the fire department and the ambulance and everything. So, you know, this is a big pain in the you-know-what. Yeah, and anyway. just think about if that's happening to other people as well, too, have the lifeline service. And, again, it could be yep. screwing up dispatches and, and you know, yep. hospital uh, service workers, paramedics being sent elsewhere. That's yep. So have yeah, you ha, have you been able to – same question I asked Mary. Have you been able to get anybody to get an explanation or to get a no. sense of – No, 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 oh, no. I do got the, the Internet and the cable back, but, you know – like, you know, people call me in the middle of the night when it's not an emergency. You yeah, know, well, and your sleep scared too, the hell out of me, right? Yeah, it scares you. You can't go back to sleep, get your stress yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough old go. My goodness. I thought then something was wrong, and he pressed the button himself. Yeah. But, like, I guess with the Rogers, like, something went back to Lifeline, I guess, to, you know, some error somewhere. And yesterday evening, same thing. And I finally got it to her. Like she said, is your phone bad? Because I was cutting in badly. And I managed to say yes. And she finally said okay. So when uh, all this gets clear, now I'll, I'll phone Lifeline and explain what, what went on. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't want you don't want to see people arriving to your door no. when there's no emergency. No, yeah, and you don't. Yeah, you you want to use it for what it's meant to be used, not yes. uh, have it used accidentally. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally get that. Well, keep yeah. us up to date, will you? I mean, this is so important yeah. to so many people, whether it's the Lifeline or the broader Rogers yeah. suite of services. Uh, I appreciate you calling. Thank you, yeah. Donna, and good luck. Thank you. You too. All, All right. right. That that was Donna. Right. David, I'm going to wait, and we'll go to you after break. I promise I will go to you. I will say this, though, before we do go to break, and again, not trying to to uh, turn Rogers into a pinata today. I, full disclosure, I, I own some of their stock, as many of you probably do, and you're, uh, those of you who do, who have mutual funds and the like, um, generally a very good company. But... Uh, probably need to up your game, Rogers, on customer service. And if anybody listening from Rogers, because Rogers is always listening, wants to call in and talk and give us updates, as Mary said, great idea. Some frequent updates would be probably more helpful than the video from the CEO saying he's sorry. That's important, but people want their service back. You can say sorry often, but the best expression of sorry is not repeating the behavior or ending the behavior that's irritating people now. So endeth the sermon on this Orangeman's Day. Time for a break here on VOCM's Open Line. Back with uh, David, sorry it is, after, uh, after the break.
Join Brian Medore weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. This is Open Line on VOCM. So this program being what it is, listeners are so good at sharing information when somebody has a problem and they're trying to get it fixed. So we just heard uh, from Donna a few moments ago talking about the challenges she was having with um, Lifeline uh, and uh, whether it was impacted or not by the Rogers uh, turbulence play way to describe what happened um got a a tweet excuse me from jim who said uh, i was wondering if the lady who called about her issues with rogers has rebooted her router my sister who uh is disabled and lives alone had to reboot it a couple of times before it worked don't you love that That, jim is right uh, because that is the advice rogers normally gives you it's reboot so maybe donna if you're still listening give that a try um and if not I hope a human being from Rogers will speak to you. Now, uh, he's been waiting patiently. I appreciate that. David, uh, you want to talk about some injustices you're seeing. Tell us about that. Well, uh, in my opinion, it's an injustice. I mean, uh, do you think Canada should be a country that that has uh, political uh, prisoners uh, being jailed for their views and stuff like that? Well, give me the context in which you're saying that before I say yes or no. I think I know what the context is. I'm talking about a lady that was jailed the other day. We're having a photo uh, taken with uh, another person uh, in Ottawa and a man that's been in jail since the spring and hasn't really been uh, charged with anything. And we got murderers, uh, well, uh, presumed murderers, uh, after having uh, trials, and they're out on bail walking the streets. Does that make sense? Well, again, I don't think you're given the full context here. You may not know it. So I think the lady, and I'm I'm not being dismissive of it, but I'll give the rest of the context. So the lady I believe you're talking about is Tamara Lee. She's referring, who is one of the convoy organizers who has been charged and has bail conditions set out. As I understand the issue with the picture, it was a breach of one of her bail conditions. She has been to court. Her lawyers have made representation uh, around that and the other bail conditions and the court has rendered its decision so i'm not sure i'd call her a political prisoner she has been alleged to have broken the law she has been charged and the court has laid out conditions i don't know who the other individual is you're talking about maybe it's i'm talking about uh, mr king uh he was uh, jailed back in the spring and uh, apparently he never even got a a trial hearing yet he's still in jail for Presumably, presumably uh, committing a, uh, committing a crime, but uh, he's still in jail. Whereas some people that are charged with murder are out in two months, walking the street for years and years before they go to trial. So give me an sense? give me give me an example of these murderers that are out in two well, months. Well, I'm not going to give names. I know. Well, do you know any? Do you know yeah. any? Because I think, and I'm not being rude to you, David, but I think when people put out these examples, they they need to understand. Let's talk about Mr. King. Mr. King has. Uh, appeared before the magistrate. Uh, The specifics of his case I'll look into in a moment.
moment, but uh, he, he either couldn't meet bail conditions or couldn't afford bail. Mr. King has a long history of propagating what would be considered uh, hateful views, racist views, and the like. Uh, now, listen, he can propagate them. Uh, can but, I ask you a question? You can ask me a question. You'll go ask ahead. me too. So can I ask you one? Yes, yes. I what, just said go what ahead. What are his views? What is, what is the hateful views? Tell me what they are. Well, he believes in something called replacement theory, and we're not going to get into debating replacement theory here in great detail, but effectively re- replacement theory is a cockamamie, cockamamie. That sounds like an opinion to me. Uh, no, do you want me to answer the question? You are welcome to look up replacement theory uh, on uh, through through your Rogers account if you have one on Google, and you'll uh, understand what it is. But rep- you, so you believe in so let me tell people what replacement theory is. This notion, not borne out by any truth or any fact, that uh, different uh, leaders and different political parties are trying to replace white Anglo-Saxon males and white people in general. Uh, as uh, in in leadership roles and political roles and the like, and King spouts this particular view. Do you believe that view, David? I believe uh, in freedom of speech, and uh, yes, yeah, so, so we can talk about until it until the day I die. Okay, I, and my then nobody views, look. My the, views, my views might not be uh, your views, but my exactly. views are just as important as your views. And that is why you're on this program, and we're talking about it. I fully agree with all of that. But when you're making um, making the point about an injustice perpetrated on Tam- uh, Tamara Leach and uh, and Pat King, the audience which you did not provide, so that's what I did, I was trying to provide, uh, needs to understand the context. You weren't here, I don't think, David, during the whole occupation. You didn't see, perhaps, as others of us did, the law-breaking that was prevalent that led to these people being charged. So that's why I... Hang on, David. That's why I dispute... people, or what was that? Pardon me? What was the law-breaking? The Vancey Castles or the home... Oh, my goodness. or what? David, are you going to simplify it into that? Are you going to spew this silly rhetoric no, about bouncing castles? Uh, my, my, just told you, my opinion is just as important as yours. I yes, your opinion, David. David, 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 your yes. opinion's important, but your opinion needs to be based in fact. And it wasn't bouncy castles and hot tubs. People were breaking all manner of law here, and that is why they were charged. Would you want, David, uh, a... a um, 18-wheeler parked on your lawn, blasting its horn late into the night. Because if that 18-wheeler was parked on your lawn and blasting its horn well into the night, it'd be in violation of at least two or three laws, David. So there are laws there. Not my opinion. That is fact, sir. So do you believe in this bill that is trying to get passed? Which bill? Where are we going now? Which bill? Which bill? uh, What is it? C-1 or uh, or whatever it is that's going to uh, uh, completely... uh, scrutinize every word that comes out of anybody's mouth. That's, I don't think, else. you're talking about C-11, I believe, yeah, not C-1. C-11, yeah. And yeah. I think you've, again, not characterized that the right way. There's a lot of debate around that particular bill. Are you talking, you're talking about the, are you talking about the bill that oversees um, uh, well, how the CRTC would regulate uh, the Internet? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, well, basically, it's going to monitor every everything that's uh, that's said, really, and it's going to decide if it's good for the public ears or not. 
there's a I, there's certainly on this on that bill again I, i'm not trying to insult you but you're simplifying aspects of it but i would agree with you more scrutiny is needed on that bill and any legislation that deals with the government deeply regulating uh the mediums through which we communicate so see we have we have some some common ground there and i would encourage people to to look at uh look at all of that but you uh, actually uh, think i was just one one last question for you so you think think, uh, and again, your opinion, and I'm giving you the opportunity to voice it, and I'll shut up when I ask the question. <laughs> so, oh, no, you're... What? You can talk. You can Thank talk. Thank you. Well, I get to host the show so I can talk. Um, okay. it, it is, do you, I mean, do you believe in what Tamara Leach and, and Pat King and these others, other people have done in their, they've described it as um, crusade. Well, I'm describing it as crusade for freedom, but their freedom convoy. Do you su- support the notion? Do you believe that our freedoms are imperiled in Canada, and what they did was appropriate? I believe that their beliefs are theirs, and if it's important to them, they have the right to express it. Okay. Mr. Trudeau is going around the world talking about defending democratic rights. He's mm-hmm. a hypocrite. He doesn't defend Canadians' rights. We have another variant coming now, Mr. Powers. Yeah. In another couple of months, we're going to be all locked down again, and we're going to be forced to – the jabs is going to be coming at us again, hand over fist. <laughs> and it's the same thing. We'll be locked down again this Christmas, the same old things year after year after year. I'm sick of it, and there's a lot of Canadians sick of it too. And a lot of Canadians are getting sick of Mr. Trudeau and his <laughs> – and his two face, two tongue. He got a split tongue. <laughs> that's, that's what he got. One, well, I, one side is wagging one way, and the other t- side is wagging another way. Well, you got to laugh out of me this morning. Yeah, you're you're right on people being frustrated. You're, I, I don't know if we will have to have another jab. We're gonna. I think Dr. Fitzgerald is gonna call in later, so we'll ask her about all of that. Anyway, David, good to talk to you. We no, may disagree. Yep. Go ahead. One more thing before I go. Mr. Haggy, uh, hundreds of people died under his watch in health care because they couldn't get the treatment and the assessments and everything that they needed and the hospital bids. Now they're going to put him in charge of uh, education? My God almighty. Send them back across the water. Have a good well, now, day. Now, there you're going a bit far. Look, uh, you can have your opinion on how Dr. Haggie did or didn't do, but let's not get into getting into his ethnicity. We don't, ethnicity. Need, we don't need people like that in government. Oh, well, you need all sorts of people in government. Anyway, good yeah. to talk to you, David. Thank you. God bless you. Okay. All right. Uh, what we're going to do here, Fonz, we're going to take a break. Gary, we'll get you on shortly, and I believe we've got Eric Grenier coming up. Uh, keep those calls coming. As I say, I don't have to agree with you. We don't have to agree with you, but we can debate the issues here on VOCM's Open Line. Back shortly. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back. Tim Powers in here for Patty. Before I go to my guest, just want to, uh, uh, somebody had called, uh, Fonz, who's producing today, and God bless Fonz. Uh, he gets some, some calls. He's been getting some this morning, but this one we'll, we'll give some credence to. Uh, somebody was asking, and Eric will get a kick out of this, but I get why people are asking what rebooting is. So basically, that's a pretty simple process. Uh, as you're trying to do it, you unplug and then plug back in your 
modem or you can turn it off and then turn it on but usually it works better to unplug it the aftermath of the rogers outage continues and if you have any more trouble or if i didn't explain it clearly enough call fonz and, and we'll sort it out and again before i go to eric don't be calling fonz and giving fonz the gears about something i said on air or you didn't like how i responded to uh to david call talk to me If you want to talk to me, don't yell at me from uh, cyberspace or through another person. Yeah. Get on the air. You're welcome. I I just need your name and what you want to yell at Tim about. (laughs) Yell at Tim Day. Exactly. It's all good. It's all good. We'll let you on. Thanks, buddy. See, stop yelling at Fonz or I'm going to come and get you. Now, I'm sure he's chuckling at all of this. Happy to welcome to uh, Open Line, and he's been on with me before, Eric Grenier, who is the, he's going to like this word, the proprietor of the RIT. The RIT is a wonderful platform that Eric has created. Uh, We just did his 50th podcast. It's been going for over a year now. And the RIT looks at all manner of different political issues across the country uh, and gets right into the numbers. That's Eric's specialty, among other things. Eric, have you rebooted the RIT this morning or all's good with you? (laughs) Uh, luckily, the writ was not uh, impacted by the outages, so we were okay. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah, the Rogers outages are a big topic this morning because, as as you know, you you spend a lot of your life working uh, through the internet to, to tell your to tell your stories. Uh, people have been uh, greatly uh, affected by all of that, but that's not what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to pick up a discussion you and I had with Chad Rogers and Catherine Cullen on your podcast the other day, uh, looking at the state of the conservative leadership race and when we the the day we taped that which was thursday was after patrick brown had been expelled from the race and subsequently a number of different pieces of information have come to the fore brown has hired a lawyer uh to try and appeal this or potentially go to the court what's the aftermath now as it relates to the leadership race and how it looks eric on this monday some four days after that expulsion well, it, it certainly looks like um, this is going to be a story that's going to go on for a little while. Uh, Patrick Brown has been a bit quieter in the last few days, it seems, than he was in the first couple of days after he got disqualified. So we'll see what's going to happen with that. Uh, the fact that it's now um, in the hands of a uh, pretty um, uh, fierce lawyer that I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, have some uh, reasonable fear of, um, you know, suggests that, you know, this is going to be something that uh, could get a little bit uglier. But in terms of who's going to win it and all that kind of thing, it certainly now looks a lot more likely that Pierre Poiliev is going to be able to win this. Not that there's a huge amount of doubt about that, but any sort of doubt, any reasonable doubt that might have been out there, uh, most of it, I think, has gone away. So let's dig into this because this is really your wheelhouse. So the Conservative Party has confirmed uh, before all of this happened that there were 675,000 members. Pierre Polyev, uh, though this is unconfirmed, stated that he had about 310,000 of them. Patrick Brown argued that he had 150,000. So take us through the math of how Pierre Polyev gets that win and secondarily what might happen to that brown support where might it go 
Yeah, with the 675,000-ish, we'll see what the final number is because probably some of the members will have been uh, weeded out. Maybe there were double memberships or they had already been, you know, uh, they were just renewals, that kind of thing. But when you add up everybody's claim numbers, it does make some sense. So everybody's numbers that they've said that they've uh, that they signed up, they seem plausible. So if Pierre Poliev did sign up of about 310,000, right there he's almost at the halfway point, right, because there's 675,000. And there was, uh, you know, about 100, 150,000 pre-existing members. And there's widely, you know, viewed that Poiliev was very likely to have been the choice of the majority of those pre-existing members because Jean Charest is obviously coming from outside the party. Patrick Brown as well was, you know, predicated on bringing new people in. So just right there, uh, Poiliev would have at least the, um, you know, the members to give him maybe a first ballot victory, uh, having 50% plus one of the vote. But now that Brown is out, you know, that 150,000 or so that he claimed that he signed up, a lot of them aren't going to vote now because they signed up because of Patrick Brown. So a lot of them are going to feel pretty disillusioned about the party, that their guy was kicked out. And so they're not going to be voting as much, which means that the number the denominator for, you know, getting into the math is a lot lower. And it means that Poliev's chances of getting more than 50% of the vote is a lot higher than it was when Patrick Brown's people were still going to be casting a ballot. In terms of um, turnout, uh, you, you talked a little bit about Brown. What have we seen in the last two conservative leadership races? Because they were run under a similar system. It's a points-based system. Uh, every riding gets 100 points. Uh, you now, the one change is you now have to have at least 100 members in that riding, and they vote to qualify for that 100 points. But in the uh, last two conservative leadership races, what was turnout like? It wasn't 100%, obviously. It was closer to something around 60%. Uh, in both of the last two races, there was 260, 270,000 members. So there's a huge amount now. There's a lot more than there was last time. The number of people who voted was, you know, 140, 150,000. So, you know, probably expect the same kind of thing, that it won't be um, 600,000 people that are going to be voting in this, probably be closer to 400,000. Uh, but the fact that, for one thing, Jean Charest is in the race, um, one of the uh, things that was the case in the last two races was that Quebec had a lot of the ridings uh, without 100 members. Um, this time, that seems less likely to happen because Jean Charest probably found at least 100 members in each of the ridings in Quebec. And we know that Poliev has also done that. So uh, the the numbers in terms of the point system, probably not going to be as much of a, a factor in this one. Uh, because of just how big the membership numbers are. Now, a lot of the members are going to be places like Alberta and Saskatchewan and and British Columbia, Um, but there will be enough members now voting in places like Quebec and Newfoundland, Labrador, and other parts of Atlantic Canada uh, that those ridings will all be worth 100 points. Uh, But, you know, if you can get 100 points in some of those ridings where there's only maybe 150 members, uh, that can go a lot further than somewhere in Calgary where there might be 2,000 members voting. Yeah, and we, uh, you, you've been tracking this, uh, campaigns claiming the uh, largest number that they've ever gotten in Newfoundland and Labrador have signed up to vote in this uh, in this leadership race. And if that's true, that's great. More people participating uh, is arguably a, a, a good thing. Two, two last questions for you. Um, complacency. Is there a worry, given now that Brown has 
fallen out or has been expelled and is unlikely to be allowed back in. Would the Polyev campaign specifically have a worry about complacency because they're now hearing it looks like he's got it in a walk. It looks like it's going to be much easier. What's what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that could be a risk uh, because if everybody assumes that he's going to win, there's less of a, an incentive to go out and vote. Um, but, you know, you see that often in, in elections as well, though, right? When there's a front runner, there's this perception that they're going to win anyway. But it seems to usually have more of an impact on the other parties. Uh, so it makes me wonder if people who are backing Jean Charest and some of the other candidates uh, will be less inclined to vote if they think there's even less of a chance that their guy is going to win. Um, and also, Pierre Poliev's folks, the people that he has signed up, they seem pretty engaged. Uh, I have a hard time seeing a lot of them deciding they're not going to vote in the end. I think they'll be very happy to vote for Poliev if they think he's going to win. Maybe that pre-existing base of members might be less likely if they think that Poliev has this in the bag. But the people who have come out to see him and line up to get a signature or a photo with him, I think those guys, those, those, those people are still going to be voting. So uh, to me, it, it's... It has just as much chance at, at uh, kind of suppressing the Jean Charest, Leslie Lewis vote as it does uh, Pierre Poliev's. Uh, interesting take on it. You you probably are very right, as you usually are on these things. The, the last question, because you've covered so many leadership races, you've looked at the way people select their leaders. There's, as you no doubt saw, as, as listeners perhaps have read, criticism now coming about, well, you know, when you have a process like the one you have to sign up members in the Conservative Party, and it's not just the Conservative Party, but the criticism is focused on the Conservative Party, that you're going to have shenanigans, that you're going to have what you saw happen happen with Patrick Brown that is this really the best way to select a leader I personally have never seen a system that is free of criticism uh, that it could be described as the best way what's your take on that argument and, and how do you ground what works best yeah, it's a it's a tough one because it's different ways to look at it from the party's perspective. Uh, you know, they've signed up so many members that they've gotten maybe ten million dollars just out of the membership signups. Uh, that's something that is good for the party. That extra money, the fact that they've got all of these people who have now um, you know given their names to the party, given their email addresses, are much more likely to donate in the future. You know, that's also good for the party. Does it make sense in terms of choosing a leader? That's where I'm not so sure because a lot of the people who are signing up for this will disappear after this race is over. We've seen on the last couple of races where um, the existing membership base, which grew to you know a quarter of a million people every in, in both of those uh, leadership campaigns, it dropped by about 100,000 afterwards. All those people just went away. You had, you know, in 2017 when Andrew Shear won, it was milk uh, dairy farmers in Quebec that signed up. Those aren't active conservative members anymore. In 2020, there was uh, people who were motivated by uh, gun rights, again, in Quebec, because... It was easy to game the system in Quebec because of the, the point system. And a lot of those people probably aren't active in the party. And you wonder about all the people who have signed up with Jean Charest, who have done so almost explicitly in opposition to Pierre Poliev, the people who Patrick Brown has signed up, they're probably going to go away. It, 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 it seems like a weird, thing, weird way to choose a leader, to choose a potential next prime minister, uh, because it doesn't really translate. Being able to sign up a lot of members doesn't mean that you're going to have good control over the parliamentary caucus. Uh, so I don't know what's the best system. You know, what they have in the UK, and lately you can't look at the UK as <laughs> anything political, but, you know, they have a system where the caucus, you know, uh, whittles it down to two yeah. candidates, and then the members choose that. You know, maybe that's an interesting kind of model that we could have here, but it, it is an odd system that you have a lot of people who will be members of the party for 
uh, just a moment will go away if their person doesn't win or even if they do win. Uh, and then that person has to impose their rule over the, the caucus and then take it to voters. It, it is an odd system, but I don't know if there's a perfect solution. Yeah, as you said, the winner's data collection and money uh, for parties, and that's why they go the, down that particular route. The data and the dollars uh, make it beneficial for them. Got to leave it there. Thank you, Eric. And again, I encourage people to check out the RIT. Uh, Eric has all manner of content on there. He does great work. Great to have you this morning, Eric. Thanks, Tim. Okay, time now for news. But before we go, I've got another router update because I forgot this key component of a shot. Shame on me. If you are trying to reboot, so back to our reboot discussion, you need to at least unplug your device uh, or unplug the router for 10 seconds or so. Uh, thank you, Jim, for reminding me of that. So there you go. The lesson on rebooting is done. I hope that is working. Unplug it for 10 seconds or more. Now I can hand off the news to uh, VOCM's Brian Medora, and I'll be back with you after the break. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back, everybody. Now, he's been waiting patiently. I am going to go to Gary. Gary, thank you. How are you today? Hi, Tim. I'm doing wonderful. I uh, caught uh, part of your preamble this morning. Are you back home now? I was, but now I'm back here in uh, uh, Ottawa. I was home with my son. Oh, well, uh, they, they should have tied you down and kept you here for a while. <laughs> Well, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, well, I, I, I would have liked it. We would have both liked it, but we had to get back here for a bunch of different reasons. But and, and the uh, weather was splendid this weekend. I mean, my uh, goodness, it, it was gorgeous. It's gorgeous here in Newfoundland. You know, uh, compared to about a year ago, this is wonderful uh, weather we're having. Uh, for some of us old times, I love it. You know, I hate the cold now. I really hate the cold. <laughs> well, but, you, you, yeah. Well, you got to do something about that in the winter, Gary. But in the, I in think, the uh, we're we're talking about the other day. Maybe we need to have a dome put right across Newfoundland to <laughs> keep the cold out. Well, remember they put a dome in before, and they tried to grow cucumbers in it. So you know, remember those less <laughs> didn't it didn't it didn't go so well. The cucumbers became pickles. Yeah, well, that's all right. I love pickles too. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad you were able to get back home. I think uh, last time I chatted about you coming home, with, and I was uh, kidding with you back then. You know, you're essential workers. You should be able to come home. And I thought, Doug, God, you finally got home. And I hope your family enjoyed it. Did you get home cooked meals? Oh yeah, my mother's a great cook, and she uh, she looked after us. And uh, you know, I just I suppose it's pretty bad. I won't say her age because she always gets mad. But let's no, say she's no, but you know, she's that's probably probably a, just uh, warmed her heart to, to cook a meal for her son. Uh, well, I'll, I'll ask her that afterwards, and she'll probably use some expletives to say that wasn't the case. But that's that's her. That's her. That's her character. Anyway, yeah. tell me what you got going on. Well, uh, I cut part of uh, Justin Trudeau's apology to the Black Battalion uh, uh, incident that took place uh, uh, in in our history. Let's say, and I cut part of his apology, and I thought, I don't know about you, but my opinion, listening to his apology, I thought, man, this is about the most shallow, hollow apology I've mm -hmm. heard since he apologized to 
to the indigenous people of Canada. I thought, you know, and you, you voiced it, uh, the concerns about Rogers. And an apology is only words spoken unless there's action taken to back up and make amends for that apology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, the words that came to his mind, you're a phony, Mr. Trudeau. You're, you're fake. He's a fake person. It's just there seemed to be nothing coming out of that apology that I could hear from him expressing his "I'm sorry." Uh, is uh, yeah, sorry for what, Trudeau? Well, it's almost to, to your point, right? It's almost become cliche, and this, all of these apologies are probably merited. They are probably very legitimate, but the messenger is diminishing the apology because it seems the prime minister always. Uh, goes to an apology, chooses the route of an apology when there's other political heat about. The, I mean, the most fascinating thing for me this weekend was learning about this battalion, and maybe that that's an achievement in and of itself that more people learn about it. But I, I hear you, Gary, because a lot of people, the, the criticism I always hear about the prime minister, what's he apologizing for now? Yeah, and to me, it just seemed like it seemed shallow, hollow, or whatever it was to me. That's the way I uh, took another man. This is, you know, you're better off uh, keeping your mouth shut. In other words, I mean, this it means nothing. The words you're saying mean nothing unless you back your amends. You have to make amends for that part there on behalf of Canada. What are you going to do? to maybe put some uh, meat and potatoes into the situation to really mean that you are sorry for that, you know. And to me, there was nothing said in what he uh, apologized for to even mention that. And I thought, you know, it just uh, it seemed uh, you're just hanging on the edge. Well, uh, this is just, like you just said, you know, it, it's he's apologizing for everything. I mean, it's... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it becomes uh, it. It's again. I, I'll use it, this reference. It, I won't name the. I won't name the airline this time because I get in trouble when I do. But because uh, they're they're very nice to me when I fly. But you know, it's the thank you for your patience line when you're sitting on the runway, uh, your uh, or or the or or the gate. Because I got in trouble for noting you sit on the runway. You don't sit on the runway. You sit on the tarmac. I get corrected for everything, Garrett. It's amazing. Anyway, and they say thank you for your patience. This is the reason why today you can't go, and you hear it so often. Often it just rings hollow. So, all right, well said. Anything else you quickly want to add? Because I got a bunch of other calls I got to take here. Well, no, I'm glad uh, we uh, the Stanley Cup's coming back here to yeah. land for people that haven't seen. I got to see it many, many years ago. It was brought to, uh, when I lived in Calgary. The Stanley Cup was brought back there. I got to see it in person. Oh man, I mean, if you've never seen it, you get an opportunity. Go see it because it, to me, that is the ultimate cup to win on the mm-hmm. planet it is uh, i mean it well it's better than those baseball trophies and some of the other the world series trophy i was listening to the guys on spitting chicklets i have to admit i've become a spitting chicklets podcast fan it's very raw but uh, they were talking about the differences between the trophy they said the major league baseball trophy with all those little flags and everything i mean it it is so unappealing compared to the stanley cup and i'd rather hear all the stories too about what's happened with that cup who dropped it who drank out of it who did what else with it anyway well, even, even even got dropped on the center ice so when they uh <laughs> i mean it had it's running already this year when they got the cup <laughs> yeah i know it was something all right gotta leave it there gary good okay. to talk to you take Thank care you. Tim. all right good to t- good chatting with gary uh marina we'll go to you now Fonz. we'll run a little long here marina line three because you've been waiting you've got some uh, something you want to talk about with eastern health 
Yes. Um, I had an experience on Eastern Health with the paramedics and that on July 6th. Okay. At 4.20 a.m. in the morning, I called the ambulance mm-hmm. for an individual. And when I called, they were here in less than 20 minutes, which that was good. Yeah, that's good, yep. But my problem is, when the ambulance got here, the individual, his oxygen level was only on 50%. So they were there and they asked me, is there any first aid responders in that uh, up here? I said, as far as I know, uh, the only one I know of would be Fairland Fire Department. Mm-hmm. So they called them. They refused to help. The only thing we wanted to get done was uh, the individual being put on a stretcher and helped put in an ambulance. Now, the paramedics that were here was only two girls. They couldn't mm-hmm. lift them. So they called and they tried. We had to wait till 6.30 for an ambulance to arrive here in Aquafort. And I think that's a bit much. Yeah, certainly every time I host this show, I hear stories like yours about the challenges with ambulance service provision, particularly outside the city, as you say. And uh, so what would you like to see done? What is a better, I mean, obviously fully upgraded ambulance services, but in terms of what do you think is real and what would you like to see done? Well, uh, ambulance service, they were excellent. I have no issue with the ambulances. There was two girls on that ambulance that morning. I don't understand why they don't have a male and a female doing that. That way, then they could have more or less had more, better be able to get the individual to the ambulance. Uh, if, yeah, again, I don't know all uh, all the facts as as you do here, but I there certainly um, it's not uncommon to have uh, two females staffing uh, a paramedic service here or anywhere else. I don't know what the guidelines are. I don't know if there were other issues there that were at play, but usually they're trained, regardless of the circumstance, to assist. But I don't know the the, the circumstances. I don't know if a, you know a mixed pairing of a male and female would have made a difference. But okay, that, that's your perspective on it. Anything else you want to add, um, particularly for those who are listening who may be trying to address ambulance service provision across the province and medicine across the province? Uh, well, my, my issue was that by the time he left here, it was three hours, yeah. with his oxygen level only on 50%. Which has an impact. We had to wait to get a, a second ambulance from Tripathi. Yeah, that's... That yeah. took a while to get here. And you're lucky the circumstances weren't grave. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, uh, I appreciate it. I'm sorry you all had to go through that. And uh, we, we've got work to do, absolutely, on the way we provide, uh, provide that sort of care to people. Thank you, Marina.
All right. Thank you. All right. That was Marina talking uh, very complimentary, though. Uh, let's remind people of that, of the initial responders and the ambulance service that was there. And look, as I said, every time I do this show, I hear about this. I know people in the government and the province hear it, too. I, I know they're working on it. Um, but in the meantime, uh, it's still a struggle for a lot of people who call upon these services in their hour of need. Going to take a break here. When I come back, I've got Bill and Jim. And good news, everybody. The reboot worked. Well done. I'm glad it worked for you, Mary. I'm glad we were able to crowdsource it through VOCM. Time for a break here on Open Line. Back with Bill, Jim, and all of your calls after that. The Workday winds down with Greg Smith in the drive. Get up to speed on the day's events and current traffic, weather, and community updates each weekday afternoon on your VOCM. This is Open Line on VOCM. Well, financial rough patch uh, or patches is something a lot of people are going through now. Inflation is making life hell all over the country, and that's what Bill wants to talk about. Bill, good morning. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing? I'm I'm okay. Tell me what you're thinking about inflation and what it's doing well, to you uh, and your way of life. I don't know if you've been watching the news lately on uh, what's going on over in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. The uprising against the government yes. over there. Yeah. Poor yep. people can't afford to eat, and they can't afford to uh, buy fuel and whatever. Well, we we have the same situation here on this island, but there's only one difference between Sri Lanka and Newfoundland, and that is all the fighting Newfoundlanders died in two world wars, unfortunately, <laughs> because we don't have anybody left on this island with any guts. Uh, we spent two and a half to three years shut down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Then when we finally, well, that's not even over, but when, when they relax the mask wearing and everything else and getting out of it, now we can't afford to drive. I'm a senior, 77 years old. My wife and I, we used to enjoy that. We can't do it anymore because the price of fuel is so high. And every bloody week, these grocery stores, and, and everybody is a witness to this, they tack on 50 cents a dollar on every item. It's, and we had no government to uh, police it or keep, you know, try to keep these prices down. It's absolutely so, ridiculous. So you're seeing uh, and, and nothing in terms of, because different governments, uh, the federal government really hasn't done a hell of a lot, as uh, many nothing. people will. Not a, not a damn thing. I mean, That's other than right the, the, the longer-term investments they talk about doing, and they've had direct sub, uh, payments they've been making to people. But you're Look, not right seeing any impact, though, are you, in Newfoundland? From, right here from, on the Newfoundland island. Our government mm-hmm. that's, in, that's in office right now uh, gave us a bloody half off our registration on our vehicle. That's not even enough to... to I live on the West Coast. Not even yeah. enough to yeah. put gas in the truck to go uh, 30 kilometers. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And well, And... What would you, you like to see them do? Because hang on, hang on. let me finish first, please. Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead. We have we're seniors. We enjoy the outdoors. Mm-hmm. We have a mm-hmm. side by side. Okay. We can't even afford anymore to to go on our trips we used to take in the woods because the gas, the price of gas, have doubled. Yeah. And it's just crazy. And and you know what, uh, Tim? I'm 77 years old. I've been voting since I was 19 years old. I voted for, I don't mind saying it, NDP, PC, and Liberal yeah. all my life. Never missed voting. And to me, 
I don't see any changes in all these years. No matter who we put in the government here, things stay the same. We're, we're poor as church mice. We have minerals like never before. And do anybody in this government know what the hell they're doing? And I'll give you an example. We had to wear a helmet in our side-by-side that's yeah. got roll bars in it with a full cab kit. And right. someone can drive a convertible on the highway Without doing it, 100, right. 100, 140 kilometers an hour with no roll bars, roll bars sorry, and don't have to wear a helmet. I mean, do anybody know what they're doing? Well, Bill, let me ask you this, because you, you, you disclose your age, so you'll remember this uh, in the 70s when things were very difficult with inflation. There was the talk of wage and price controls. So the government always listens to the show. What advice would you give them? Is it something like Look, that? I, re- You're- I remember back when I had a mortgage when I was in my 30s right. with 12 and a quarter, 12 and a half percent yeah. interest. And people... Uh, I was lucky at that time because I used to lock in, but people paid as high as mm-hmm. 20%. We're heading right back there. We're heading for a bloody recession, and I don't know how they can stop it, but is is there anybody trying? Like, mm-hmm. uh, It's going to come down to nobody's going to be able to – well, it is now. We can't afford to go anywhere. We can't afford to eat. And these seniors, I'm, I'm, I'm not too bad. I can – I can manage to get a bite to eat. But we have seniors in this province that are starving to death and not eating the proper foods because they can't afford it. And come winter, the bloody price of fuel oil is so high that they're not even going to be able to afford to heat their homes. Does the government care about that? Uh, uh, Mr. Fury, when he goes to the pumps and gasses up his car, he doesn't worry about $2 a litre, two twenty-five a litre, because the coppers, we're paying for it. I want to pick and up really on two things. I'm Go sorry, ahead. but it's starting to get to me. Yeah, no, hey, listen, I, and you said two things of interest to me, and uh, I'll get your comment on them, and then we'll go, go to a break. I mean, the food one is fascinating, right? Because what's happening, it's not, it's fascinating is in as much as it's driving people to eat more poorly because the only things they can afford are things that are you know lined with preservatives they're not as healthy for you and you're seeing that happen are you bill you're seeing people just buying more 100 percent. yeah and on the fighting new sorry on the fighting newfoundlanders what would you like to see your fellow citizens do here what would be helpful do you think tim i mean look uh, for some unknown reason, people would much rather talk about bloody hockey game than talk about the <laughs> situation true. they're in today. Yeah. I mean, nobody gets up in arms. Nobody. Uh, we should be all storming the bloody uh, government building in St. John's like they're doing over in Sri Lanka, but nobody's doing nothing. How much more can the people of this province take? Yeah. You know, like it's crazy stuff, and I mean... $2.25 for a bloody liter of fuel, which is, I don't know, $12 a gallon? You know? Yeah, I, I filled I filled up my mother's car on the weekend while I was there, and it was near 100 bucks, and it was already like a, a quarter full. It's, I mean, it's yeah, crazy. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I can do it, but nonetheless, uh, you know, people who can't or are on the edge, as you rightly point out, are, are going to be in trouble. Anyway, I've got to leave it there. Thank you for the call. It was really a really great call, Bill. Good to talk to you this morning, and good luck. I mean, keep... Thanks for your time for uh, letting me get my point across, and I hope that more people 
on this island would call in and express their feelings towards all this. And they are more than welcome to do so, and uh, we'll give them the spot. Thank you, Bill. You you All stay right, well, take okay? Care. Take yeah. care. All right. Got a lot, lovely lineup of calls here. Jim, you're next. Leo, Daryl, everybody. Time for a break, though, first here on VOCM's Open Line. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back. You, just before I go to Jim, that was a great, all the calls are great, but I really like Bill's passion. And he's right. If you want to call and talk about how inflation is impacting you, please, please do. It's tough out there. Um, and we do need to keep reminding people uh, who make decisions that more potentially needs to be done. If it can be done, maybe it can't. I'm uh, not an expert in how we push back the entirety of inflation. It seems nobody else is at the moment either. Anyway, Jim has been waiting patiently online five he is from or in labrador and wants to talk about the fixed link jim how are you uh good Tim. uh first time caller i'm calling in from labrador west okay uh two-part uh, discussion i guess i'd like to have with you and thanks for this platform uh what you guys do out there is uh, it's a bonus to uh view points from all over our great province it's a two-part discussion okay. uh, you just uh, brought up about the fixed link Wild, yep. uh, Labrador West, Labrador, and Newfoundland in Labrador. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I sort of see where you're coming from, and I, and I agree with you how important it is. And, you know, is it feasible? Uh, again, you know, industry, population, you know, would the island gain more? Would Labrador gain more by spending this kind of money? Uh, the question I have, really, mm-hmm. about it is how far has discussions gone? Yeah. With government, state the developer, uh, who uh, who's going to be taking on this uh, this massive uh, project? I don't know the answer to that, and the government is off today because, of course, it's Orangeman's Day, the strange holiday that we celebrate. We have to get that in there again. So we're going to try and get Lisa Dempster or somebody from the government on tomorrow or over the course of the week, Jim, to get that answer. I mean, I I remember years ago seeing projections that it was and, and this is 20 years ago or longer you know billions of dollars it, and it would be because it's it's you know the distance the cost the stability all of the things that would go into building a fixed link they're not inexpensive to bid uh, to build excuse me uh, so it's in the billions of dollars is my guess I don't think there's a more cost effective way now to build it than there was 20 years ago there might be efficiency but materials and all that still cost things cost money yeah, and that's uh, that's a great point of view you you are uh, you're asking there. Which obviously we we're going to need those answers. My second part of my call is uh, mm-hmm. regarding the seniors for yeah. the safe and affordable housing crisis that's here in Labrador West. Oh, you and you guys have it bad. I mean, if it's bad on the island, it's bad in Labrador, eh? Well, like you said, there is not a facility whatsoever for our seniors. They even have yep. a, a social or, or a gathering is no longer uh, available due to, uh, you know, foundation or uh, infrastructure that's obviously uh, getting old, aging, like, like the seniors. Uh, <laughs> like the points I'd like to make is uh, uh, for discussions on it and why to this day we do not have a seniors uh, uh, affordable and safe uh, accommodations. When we look at it through the years, 
with different governments, all colors of mm-hmm. government, uh, that's been representing Lab West. And with IOC uh, going into production since 1958, 64 years, and Wabush started production in 1965, 49 years, now Decora. So the taxes that have been paid uh, for working in Labrador West, uh, which obviously went with government, uh, I can't understand why to this day that we are trying to apply for grants and uh, subsidies and finding out that uh, you know we don't qualify or uh, for whatever reason, uh, our developers, that, that we do have a developer that wants to uh, see this here. And it's sort of like we're jumping through hoops trying to make it right. And again, you know, is, is the government looking at you know, the CORA and IOC? Rio Tinto paid the bill on this one. I, when I personally, that they've paid, we've all paid our fair share, billions of dollars worth. And we're still wondering why to this day that a senior that cannot no longer live in their house is not safe to be in their house. They don't want to be there. There's a crisis for housing for the company. We can't get a house here. And they want to be here. They want to be here with their grandkids. They want to be here with their kids. They got nowhere to go. So if we do get to the yeah. stage in life, which we're all going to reach that stage in life, that we are going to have to go to another facility for the remaining uh, safe and enjoyable life that we're all going to live. So again, yeah. I can't understand to this day why we do not have a seniors housing here with adequate staffing. I know the, the nurses and doctors right across the province is a crisis, but here in Labrador, we are way, way back in time when it comes to affordable, safe living for our seniors, which are the pioneers that built everything we have in Lab West and are still mm-hmm. volunteers to this day. Me, I find it's very hard to to accept, and really, uh, respect is, is not there for, for for our seniors that built everything that Labrador West has offered. Two two things there, and again, I I don't know why there hasn't been a build of the type you're talking about because uh, you you know you've you've given partially examples of it when mining uh, in mining towns in mining communities the proponents the companies usually spend a lot of money to create the right infrastructure for all of the people that are there because it's good corporate citizenry like valet when they in, invested in the hospital in uh, in Goose Bay the other the second Second point is I wonder what the what data is saying because you you triggered it for me when you said it. it, it are are the government policymakers are the mining uh, company uh, proprietors seeing data that shows people are relocating and are leaving after leaving uh, Lab West after they've done their uh, done their time and they retire. You're saying that's not the case, but I wonder I wonder what what the argument is they would make now about all of that because you're probably right. People are more likely to stay in community. Years ago, they may have left, but now they're more likely to stay because they want to be around their family. Any other thought on that? Yeah, uh, Tim, uh, there are people that are forced to leave. Okay. When it comes to, uh, you know, uh, home care and like like uh, the platform that we have in Labrador West right now that is very strong and very loudly said, we are all Cheryl Hardy. We have a family. She was and is a pioneer t- to this day. Uh, being on the Wabash Town Council, volunteering, an artist. She's done everything that she would ever want to do for, for the locals. And now she's into a stage in her life that, that she's going to have to leave, leave yeah. her family, leave her husband, 
I mean, that that's not that's not acceptable. And I mean, it's just not to me. It's just not respectful of of, of our seniors that got you know nowhere to be to be home. I mean, this this has gone on too long. Tim, I don't know what to say about the where are what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you called. I'm glad you're telling us the story. It's a it's a tough one, uh, and I'm going to see if again we're going to try and get Lisa Dempster on or, or somebody else from the government with uh, with a touch in Labrador to get answers to all those questions and see what they're seeing and, and what they're thinking about it uh, these right. days. Good to talk to you, Jim. Thank you for no, calling. Tim, no, Tim. Thanks for uh, bringing that up because we did have our ministers that were in visiting Labrador West, and I know they're doing everything. Uh, that's possible. I know with Lisa's been visiting, uh, Yvonne Jones has been there. Uh, John Abbott's been in here, and he met with mm-hmm. the kids at the middle school. So, you know, they all know what, what our uh, what our situation are. And again, uh, working with the Labrador West Pioneer Coalition group, uh, you know, we, we, are, we are in discussion with developers. It's just after three years, and we still don't have any... Uh, yeah, you need to get it done. Or, there's, there's discussion and doing, right, Jim? <laughs> Yeah, and that's, that's the point. But, Jim, thanks so much uh, for this opportunity. All right, good to talk to you. Stay well up there. Uh, that was Jim. Now we're at another Labrador-based issue. We're going to talk to Leo. I haven't talked about Muskrat Falls yet. Oh, wait, I've only been on this morning for an hour and a half. Leo, you want to talk about Muskrat Falls. What's on your mind? Yeah, so how are you doing uh, this morning? And everybody in Newfoundland Labrador. So what I want to talk about this morning is uh, virtual reality and reality. Okay, okay, go for it. Go for it. Okay, in the paper, Thursday, June the 30th, we have uh, Miss Jennifer Williams, President CEO of Newfoundland Labrador Hydro. Mm-hmm. She said that uh, the price tag of the Muskrat Falls project went up by $256 million. Okay. And the increased cost was attributed to delays in getting the LIL software running properly. Hey, Leo, are you in one place there? You're a bit chippy. Uh, you're, a bit, uh, you're, you're cutting in and out. Or can you move the phone a little further away from your mouth there? Anyway, sorry, it was just, just hard oh, okay. to hear you. But go ahead. Okay, well, I, 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 maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a service provider. I don't know. <laughs> well, that could be the case. Anyway, you keep going. We'll okay. make do with what we have. Now, I don't want to get into this in big detail, any technical aspect, but here's how this thing works. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, before 1980, or Bill Gates and Microsoft and whatever you got, okay, which is when the software or computer things, you know, became at large, uh, I think there's nobody going to make an argument that uh, there was power in New York City and Philadelphia and Boston and, you know, everywhere, and there was no computer involved in it. Okay? That's what I'm saying to you, the software... Yeah. Well, look, yeah, the, the, the hydro part, there was different sorts of automations, an early version of computers, but it was more hardware based. But there would have been some some technical programming that went with it. OK, I got your point. Go ahead. Yeah, but OK, that only came in 1980 or whatever, circa 1980. OK, so what it is is that uh, I don't want to get into the technical aspect, but uh, uh, the automation control in the computer room has got nothing to do with switch out. OK, but you got what you got is like Y2K all over again. Okay. Okay. And, and it seems like uh, everybody today is uh, all computers, you know, virtual reality, Zoom, emails, whatever, right? But that doesn't make any difference to an electrical system. Not a okay. thing, not a nothing to do in the world. Okay. And I'm going to, so that's basically the point of it is, uh, it's, it's a hoax. So if you step out of your office for a while, and get out in the face here. I mean, you get you get it, right? Well, I listen. I don't have the knowledge around how 
distribution and transmission works to know if it's a hoax or not a hoax. But I, I, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, not on accepting it's a hoax, but on seeing well, I'll another. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, okay? I worked in on Hodgson one time. I'm the senior okay. distribution electrical technologist. Okay, okay. The senior guy. So anyway, what I'm saying to you, I'll, I'll make it simple so they can do it. And the more the software is a hoax because a light switch is either on or off. Mm-hmm. It's not yes, not maybe, perhaps, or other. Mm-hmm. It's as straightforward as you can get it. Okay. So okay. you're saying, so your argument is this 256 doesn't need to be spent, it's poorly spent, and it's because... I'm saying, another- well, well, you know, we, we, we've become so attuned now to, to, the, to the, the virtual reality world, okay? Yeah. Everybody looks at a computer, and they're saying in their house now, uh, I'm in my house, and uh, my computer shut down, and now the lights went out. Yeah. Okay? That's what I'm getting at. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Thank so, you. Anyway, Go ahead, Leo. Thank you very much. So, once you think about that, now here I'm going to do. I'm going to make an invitation to Miss Jennifer Williams or the Prima of Mr. Story that I can do that, no sweat, for about $5 million, and the whole thing is over. <laughs> well, if you can do okay. that, they should take you up on the invitation, and they can certainly call. Ahead, and I'll, do it, I'll do it for a very minimal cost. <laughs> well, like, like, my, like, my, like my client and Maslow says, make the call, buddy. Lines are open. <laughs> I'm all for entrepreneurs okay. selling their wares. All right, Leo, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you it. very much, everybody. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Well, there you go, Premier Fury and uh, Miss Williams. You, you can get a deal there, apparently, off, off Leo. Anyway, not to diminish what he was saying, I'll have to dig into that. I, distribution and, trans, and uh, transmission, not my specialty. But we will uh, we'll keep listening. We'll keep hearing and keep digging and learning all together. All right. Time for a break here on Open Line. I think I'm going to Daryl next, who's been waiting patiently. And then Daniel after that. Back with you shortly. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back. Well, he's been waiting too. Everybody's been waiting today, and I appreciate your patience there. I sounded like Air, Air Canada. Uh, Daryl, you want to talk about Rogers and uh, the broader telecom industry, I think. Uh, you're on line three. Welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, doing good, Tim. And again, it's nice to chat with you again. It's always a pleasure, and you're uh, doing a great job as usual. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank you. Better than Rogers, anyway, I guess, today. <laughs> oh, my. That wouldn't take too much be better <laughs> i like to keep the bar low daryl i like to keep the bar low anyway go ahead yeah when the bar is low it's easier to jump over it <laughs> exactly yeah uh, tim uh i'll just go back to your first two callers before me there uh maybe be a good idea to get a senior the se- new seniors advocate mm-hmm. on your show to address their issues uh because what they're saying is true and i'm here all the time as well so the government's going to have to start listening uh, two people in general, but uh, I'll get to my point here about uh, what happened with Rogers there recently and, and uh, I guess what you call the severe meltdown of the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know like a few days before that happened, I was having issues uh, with my internet and I'm with Rogers and uh, and uh, getting interruptions or whatever and basically they told me they, they couldn't trace it. They were having, it was an area problem and basically the system had to go down before they could tr- trace the problem right so uh and then a few days later we know uh, uh what happened 
But what we got to look at, Tim, I've done a lot of research, like other companies, Internet providers, cell phone, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, they're not here in Canada. And I said, how come you won't come to, come to Canada? It's not worth our while. It's too much red tape. Mm-hmm. You can't get through the red tape. And uh, this is a situation where, uh, uh, like, look what happened. Uh, the country pretty well got crippled, and we only got a couple of providers. But we need more of a free market like the U.S. down there. You look at, like, over in Europe, Asia, and Africa, they're only paying a quarter of what we're paying for our services. So there's something wrong with this whole picture. And, and, and in general, Tim, we got too much red tape. Uh, we got too much. We're too regulated. You got well, regulations you, to a degree, but, but we are too regulated. And when you got too much regulation, regulated, there's too much red tape. And you can't get through it all, and, and you don't prosper. And I'm talking about, like, in general. I'll give you an example. Like, the Public Utilities Board takes them a week later to lower the prices versus the free market. So the free market is lowering the gas prices before the, the, the Public Utilities Board. And it's almost taken a week later. The one thing with the free market versus the Public Utilities Board, for example, is that the free market, like if, if one gas station like Shell or Irving's where, they, at least the free market, they lower to what they want. But on a regulation, all the companies got to go to the same price. So uh, that's my take on that part of it. But I'll probably well, let me stop you for a sec. Day, you know? let, me, let me stop you for a sec on the, on the, on the, yeah. phone, on the phones sure. and telecom. I, that's law, yeah. you, what you said about there not being enough competition is true and it's long been an issue in Canada the other people that have tried to come in will say the 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 red tape relates to um, you know getting getting access then finding uh, getting access to the infrastructure to run their programs getting the big phone companies or the bigger companies the rogers and the bells and the telluses to open up the market a little bit that's an issue there's a very funny video i haven't seen it in its entirety but it was described to me of canadian actor ryan reynolds familiar to many people he owns a mobile phone company called mint mobile and he put out a video uh yesterday i believe it was that made fun of the fact that (laughs) he's a canadian with a phone company in the u.s that can't get to canada and he encouraged people people to call their members of parliament. The last thing I'd say in all of this is politicians know this is an issue. You'll remember in the last election campaign, or maybe it was the one before that, uh, I mean, Trudeau and others were promising to cap down on the cost of cell phones. I don't think any of that has happened, uh, but we certainly need to find a way to bring some more competition here and improve the infrastructure that we already have, which costs money. So that some of that is on companies to make the service better yeah and, and no you're you're right what you're saying now, i never heard of that meant mobile i had to google that one now when i get off the phone here with you uh but uh no no you're right because i've done my research and i've had the companies tell me it's not worth a welcome to canada it's too much red tape and, and it's sad so we, we gotta we if we're going to prosper uh what we're going to have to realize in general is that we're, we we're going to have to go more of a free market because when you're too regulated and it's too much 
government control, then you don't prosper as much because you've got restrictions and you can't do what you can do. certain point, you've got to have restrictions, like if it comes to like health care or whatever. Yes, Health Canada. Yeah, I can see all that. But I've been told I've researched different things in general, and every time Canada oh, is too tough. It's too hard to get things into Canada. Well, so, the two, the two other know. things on the, so the, the and I, I'm in general agreement with you on the free market. The problem I, which the government would say to you, and so with these operators, are that you know we've made the investments. If you bring in the free market, then prices could go up as well because they will argue with only you know less than 40 million people in this country, countries broad, large country, pockets of population in different places. Um, it's not. It's it's cost prohibitive for somebody else to come in. Why would they want to do that? Or they'll only use a partial service. Anyway, you can unpack all those arguments, but those are the counter arguments that get thrown out. Yes, I agree. I, I've heard all that as well with the free market. But as you know, the more competition, you get uh, in general, you get better products, you get better service, and nine chances out of ten, things are not going to skyrocket. Now, if you only had a, uh, if you had no regulations and you just had a couple companies. Yes, uh, I could see that happening. But with the free market in general, the more competition, uh, you'll get better service, and uh, the price will uh, uh, go down in general. So uh, this is a right. 22 situation. But you look at now in general, look at the cost of everything's gone up and up through the roof anyhow. Even like the public utilities board, look at the gas. For example, so don't matter regulations or not, they're still indirectly going by the free market and prices are going through the roof anyhow. So it's not a win-win situation when you look at it. It's not <laughs> a lot of winning. There's not a lot of winning right now uh, unless no. you're a shareholder in some of these businesses that well, are, are producing results. Anyway, i got to give you about 20 more seconds then, Daryl, and then we got to take a break. Well, okay, great. And I'll just add, like, you, you go to the grocery store now, okay, they're saying inflation now is 7.7%, but this is how I look at it. Groceries have doubled. Gas is probably up about 40%. So to me, that's 140%. <laughs> so I know they come up, uh, people might argue with me on that, but in general, that's 140%, just those two items alone. So when you say 7.7%, that's wrong, because groceries are double, that's 100 and gas is up about 40%. So that's 140% right there. Well, and uh, whether it's 147, all I think we all know right now, whatever the particular equation is, uh, we're all paying more, and it's uh, and it's not cheap. Uh, and, and I'll and I'll sign yeah, and I'll sign off. It's sad here, in Newfoundland, Labrador. Uh, we're the richest province in Canada when it comes to resources, and we're personally or we're bankrupt, and we're in the, we got more debt per capita than anywhere else in Canada, and we got the most resources. And it's sad because technically we should have money in the bank, and yet we're in debt now. I think it's close to what fifty billion, maybe, yeah. when you look at the overall picture. <laughs> so uh, I'll sum it at that. And uh, if we get uh, uh, everything together with our resources, whatever, uh, nobody should be starving. And, and actually, you shouldn't have to pay no taxes if we had the right amount. <laughs> well, if everything well, was done right with the resources. Oh, well, you're, 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 the you listen, that's an age-old one. You're never going to stop the payment of taxes, death and taxes the only two guaranteed things and the fact i need to take oh, a commercial yes. break all right daryl gotta go. let you go my friend thank you all right thanks thanks again for your time tim and all the best uh, to you and the ocm and your 
your listening audience. All right. Thank you. We're going to go to news momentarily. And when we come back, Daniel, Lou, and you will be on now. It's time for news here on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back. And you heard Fonz's uh, uh, caution about Ruby Line, so pay attention to all of that. Now, uh, we are going to Daniel. Daniel's been waiting for a while. He wants to talk about pensions and raises. Daniel, are you there? Good morning, Mr. Powers. How are you doing? I am good, sir. What's your What's your yeah. take on pensions? Yeah, I'm, I was calling with that uh, raise that uh, Mrs. Cody was supposed to give us there in July. Uh, yeah. You know, 10% raise. You, 10%, you know how much yeah, on your allowance. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you know how much I ended up getting getting out of that? I can only imagine it was nowhere near what you had hoped. 47 cents a day. Are you kidding me? Really? I'm not kidding you. That's for two people now because I'm on pension and my wife is under 60, right? She got no income. Yep. Okay, yep. and, I, and uh, my check, well, she gets half, and you know what I mean? Uh, half and half, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that works out to about 23 cents each, so, you know, that's all that's I want. made a real difference in your life then. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I, I guess i got to cancel plans for my holidays again now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Mr. Powers, that's all I have to say about that, really. It's just ridiculous, really. Well, I was, so what, what, would, what, would, what would be better for you? What would make a real difference for you then uh, in terms well, of trying to deal with cost of living? Well, uh, you know, like I said, it's only me getting the pension check, right? My wife is under 60. And she's not getting no income whatsoever. I don't get anything for her mm-hmm. on my check rate. And I got I got to pay for her her pills. I got to pay for her trips to the hospital. I got to pay for everything, like yeah. you know, for two people on uh, sixteen hundred dollars a month, right? Yeah, it's not a lot of money. Yeah, and plus that raise, I got there another extra forty-seven cents. Well, you can tack that on a day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got your sense of humor, Daniel, because Lord knows yeah. you need it right now. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I'm down so far now. I don't give a shit anymore, you know. Oh, you can't say that word on the air, but you did. That's all right. I knew. I'll, I'll let you away with it. All right. Good to have you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, man. Don't waste that 47 cents in one spot. Um, <laughs> take care. All right. Lou, on line four, you want to talk about the government. What's on your mind? Uh, Mr. Power, be your name is on. That's absolutely right, sir. Mr. Power, I like to talk about the government. Okay, They're go not ahead. Doing nothing for the people on fixed income, the seniors, and those who's homeless, and those who ain't got much work. They're not doing nothing. The finance minister gave we forty-five dollar raise for four months. That How much? $45. Wow. For four months. Mm-hmm. And you do have pay, you do line, amount of fixed income, not fixed income, senior pay. I'm senior. I'm over 79 years old. And the job to put me on the table. And everything's going up, up, up. And this premier we got here is no good at all for Newfoundland and Labrador. I look for all the seniors, get up against it. And next time the votes come down, but we ain't got no room for you either, Mr. Premier. Mm-hmm. You got no room for we, we got no room for you. 
What do you? What What would make What would make things better for you? What would you like to see the government do? I like for the government to lower the prices down, make sure the cost of living has gone down, not going up every single day. We got twenty five gallons all in our tank, and we have to pay three hundred dollars for that twenty five gallons all. Yeah, it's tough, eh? We can't afford to live. No. And we can't afford to die. <laughs> that, that, that's equally true. All right, anything else you want to add? I, I, it's tough stuff you're talking about, but is there anything else you want to add? No, nope, I'm, I'm sick of tort at that fun announcer getting on and saying the million dollars you're going to send men to the seniors. And you only spend $44. All right, well... Thanks for your perspective, Lou. I'm sorry it's tough out there for you. It's tough, and it's going to be tough, and it's going to get tougher. All right. I'd like for all seniors and people on fixed income, get in and say something about it, sir. Thank you very much for letting me get on. Yeah, they're more than welcome. Like you, anybody can give us a call and give us a perspective. I appreciate that. I appreciate you letting me get on, too, sir. All right. Thank you. And you have a nice day. You, too. Thank you. Bye. Even in the tough stuff, I got to say this, you know, people are still polite and that's important in these tough circumstances. Uh, And I'm sure nobody wants to be polite, but uh, I, I appreciate that. Join Brian Medore weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to, to Open Line. Uh, now I'm going to move on to a different story, and that is uh, recent reports about the impacts of a 2020 diesel spill near Postville have come to the forefront. The work was done by the Nunatsiavut government looking at this diesel spill near Postville back in 2020, and it shows the potential downstream impacts of pollution on the surrounding area. Uh, with us to talk about that is Frederick Dwyer Samuel. How are you, Frederick? Good, and you? I, I am good. So tell us, you know, what you found and, and, and what the concerns are. Yeah. Um, so basically at this point, while the monitoring program was initiated in response to the spill, um, we can't conclusively say that our results are, are caused by the spill. But what we've seen, um, okay. we've been looking near Postville and near Nain. So Nain was uh, intended to be a control spot. So we could compare the levels between uh, some place that was affected and some place that we thought would not be affected. Um, unfortunately, the result we have right now is that there are elevated levels of some oil-related compounds, uh, both in Poseville if we compare to Nain, but also in general in both areas uh, between 2020 and 2021. Um, at this time, there's still a lot more questions and answers. Um, we're in talk with Health Canada to try and understand if those results have any impact in terms of consumption. Uh, and we're also, we also have more samples to test, including other species, and we want to expand testing. Um, but we wanted to release in the little information we had right now so that beneficiaries and harvesters could make their own decisions uh, this summer. And so the, the contamination potentially impacted on which species in particular do you believe have been potentially directly impacted? 
The results we have now are for pigeons, so black guillemots. Um, so they result in eggs. Uh, we have samples that are being analyzed right now from saddlers, uh, great black back gulls, and ducks, so common eiders. So both in terms of adults and in eggs. Um, so that's what we. So the results we have right now are for black guillemots. We have samples being analyzed for the other species, and we're looking into expanding testing in other communities and other species. So for people that are listening and trying to figure out why this should be of concern to them, when you have an impact on part of the ecological system like this, a potential impact, what could it potentially mean? What 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 are you trying to avoid from happening here? Well, I mean, the first thing we want to be able to answer is if this has an impact on, on people eating those species. Mm-hmm. Um, so the eggs of all those species are consumed in New They are consumed, are they? Um, are they? Okay. Yes. So so the, there's direct implication there. Um, and then in other species we, we're going to test, we can look at more like what, what it means in terms of the environment. So where is... Where is the coming, co- contamination coming from? Uh, what are the reservoirs, for example, and how how does it move? Uh, how did it move up the coast if it did? And what is Health Canada? You said you've reached out to Health Canada. What what kind of feedback have you gotten at this point? Uh, we we don't know at the point. Uh, so other people at the United States government are currently in communication. But um, the thing is. Um, oil, like oil-related compounds, are present in the environment in some levels uh, almost everywhere in the ocean, right? I mean, we use we use boats, we use we use oil everywhere. Um, so the question is not that we found some. The question is that we found more than in other places, mm-hmm. more in 2021 than 2020, and more in Pozil than in Maine. But the question of if it's if it has any impact on people and stuff is is an open question, and it depends on. The levels we have, it depends on how it's consumed, it depends on a lot of things. So Health Canada is working on that right now, and we're hoping to get answers as soon as we can. But yeah. and, and is there anything specific about diesel, or is it the potential quantity of the spell, a spill? Excuse me. Um, right now, so we, we show elevated levels for, not for all the compounds we tested, um, one of the the category of compound we see at more elevated elevated levels are, are associated with diesel, um, but we also have uh, levels in more general oil compounds. Um, but it's more of a way. So some, not all oil related compounds have the same uh, health impact, right? Um, so that's, that's why what that's what I'm getting compounds. at. Is is diesel? Would diesel have a greater or lesser impact, or is it the volume of? Uh, the, 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 so when you're talking about weighted impact, that's what I'm trying to get at. What? How does diesel fit into the mix, or is it again, as I say, a volume thing? Um, it's it's more of. It's a bit of both. Okay. Um, right now, so one of the category of compound we tested is a group that's known to have a little bit more of a relevance in terms of health identified by the NEPA, and we didn't see an increase in those specific ones. Um, but one of the information that Health Canada is going to need to to use to answer uh, questions about that is which specific compounds. So that's the information we've provided to them, but um, I wouldn't be able to say at the moment okay. right, what it actually right. means. Well, I thank you for uh, for uh, for updating us. Now, when might we expect to hear more? As you say, this was the first update. You wanted to make people aware. So when what, what's your guess on when we might hear more about this? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Um, for what is currently in discussion with Canada, it, it's, I mean, hopefully soon, but I won't be able to tell. In terms of our testing, uh, it's actually ongoing. There's some result that should be coming, some more result in other species, which I haven't, uh, probably a matter of month, but it's it's really hard to tell. Uh, it depends on the results, and then it has to be... Um, so all the all the results still needs to be to be validated and confirmed um, before we can release things like actual numbers and health advice and all that. Um, but yeah, as soon as we can, we'll be providing updates. But it's hard to say. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you uh, for the update on on this story, and we'll keep watching it here on VOCM. Thank you, Frederick. Thank you for having me. All right, that was Frederick uh, Dwyer Samuel from Nunatsiavut. Uh, government. Um, just before we go to break, I want to go back to that conversation with uh, with Margaret Tucker. Um, I'm still very moved by that, as I'm sure you all were. And uh, if we can help, if you can help, please do. Uh, clearly, you heard a, a mother that is fighting to find her son and with the optimism and courage that some of us wish uh, wish we had. And if you know anything, if you have seen him, please follow the protocols that have been lined out outlined excuse me with uh, crime stoppers or, or or the RCMP and see if we can uh, help Mrs. Tucker bring her boy home all right time for our last break here on VOCM's open line when we come back more of your calls weekday mornings from 5 30 to 9 jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy newsmakers traffic weather and more during your VOCM morning show this is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line. Last few minutes of the show, so we still got space for one or two calls. But right now, I'm going to go to Jim uh, Madigan on line one. Jim, how are you? Harry, how are you doing? I'm okay. Homelessness. We're hearing more and more about the struggles people are facing, um, and homelessness is an issue that's important to you. What What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I, well, well, I, well I heard there last year, or I don't know, this year, they said the federal government is supposed to help the homeless people in this problem, and it seems it's not, not happening. So you think, like, uh, if they're not happening, is that the, if they're not helping out, why don't the government of this province build some shelters Primary shelters for the good living, you know, winter line, all year line, outside St. John's, or try to build something in St. John's for them. I, I, you're you're right on a couple of things there, and probably a lot more than a couple. I mean, we have heard again governments, not just this one at home, but around saying that this is an issue they need to deal with, and they're committed to dealing with it. And certainly in the federal election, which was less than a year ago, if you can still believe that, everybody was going to build. Uh, new spaces and or find ways to acquire spaces for uh, for for people who are homeless to give them some uh, respite and a roof over over their heads. You're seeing no no evidence of this at all. No, I think that's all talking. If they're going to take action, do it right until it's too late in the year. No, just stand shelters in the late later year in the winter storm. And. You're on Bell Island, I think. Right. Uh, how? What is the homeless situation like there? Is there a homeless problem? Well, uh, really, I don't know. Right, like, I don't know. Some some could left the island here, or different communities went to St. John's or Cornbrook. I've been homeless. I'm not sure about that, right? But anyway, uh, I, I, the second topic I talk about. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, people's getting a bit of social assistance now, like, uh, and they got disabilities, right? 
Mm-hmm. Now, how come the government gives the federal government gives people with disabilities some money every month or every two weeks, and we can't seem to get it? I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, what, what, who is the we in this case? The, you're talking about home. Yeah, no, not homeless. No, just say for me example. I got disability, and okay, and so I'm gonna be the social assistance. Now I got no extra money coming in to, uh, you know, to pay for me bills. Like I got, I got, I got, to, I got the pills there now. Iron pills. I can't really afford pay extra money. So if I had a disability with my social service check, that's two different things. Then I'll okay. be okay. But since now, look, like, everything's gone skyrocket, and and look, like, the 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 care that the the care that that don't cover every drug drug you, you get. Mm-hmm. But it seems like where people get extra money on social assistance, you know, and get extra money for the pills now. Because I'm on the iron pills now. Plus I'm a diabetic. Mm-hmm. So what, what's government going to do to help people with disabilities and problems? I know it's not time with different things here, but yep. it's all money. Got to do it with money. Cool. That's a very good point. It all comes back to money and what you can afford to do and what you can't afford right. to do. And and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of there's a lot of overlap too. People who are in the circumstance of uh, of being less fortunate may also be homeless. So they you may be talking about different things, but they all right. all do connect. So what? I mean, you're so how are you getting by right now in the midst well, of not, everything? Really not bad. I'll tell you now. I, I was going to pick groceries on Belong and name no place. Only small supermarket. Mm-hmm. Well, our groceries probably bounce all three hundred dollars a month. All depends what you buy and what you mm-hmm. eat. Plus, I paid the taxi uh, eight down and ten up because I got another way of getting groceries up. Because that store don't really deliver groceries anymore. Okay. I don't know the reason why. So you'll take that bit of money that comes every two weeks for groceries, whatever the taxis comes out two hundred thirty-seven dollars. What do I have left? That's not counting the phone bill. Yeah, that's... you know, not counting your personal things, what you want to buy, to wear in the winter time. I'm not, I'm not being uh, going to have to put stuff to feed me in that. Like you know, the government's there. That's that's what the government's there to help people live with disabilities and, that, yep. and other things. Yeah, no, and uh, maybe we'll talk to uh, uh, John Abbott or uh, some of the other ministers that are involved in administering these programs during the course of the week, and we'll see if we can get you an answer. Get you an answer, Jim. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Thank you like, for the like call saying, today. Like, like what I did is now I mixed everything up, but that's all. I've got to do with my people with disabilities and the medication you can afford and not have got there to buy. Yeah, no. I'll, you know what I mean? I'll mix it all up. They don't know that yeah, money is the answer. Money, money. Mother's milk, exactly. they say, of politics, but it's mother's milk of, of much. All right, got to leave it there, Jim. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Uh, good. we got a couple of calls here before we go. We're going to try and get them both in. First, uh, Eleanor, the Manuals River Bobber Race. Tell me about that, please. Hi, Tim. How are you doing today? I, I am good. Is this like the, the old, they used to have the one that went down um, the river by Larch Park there, the Rennies River Bobble Race. I remember that. So you got one out. And you got you guys have been doing this in manuals for a while too, right? Yeah. So I think Rennies River does a duck race as far as duck I know. Duck race. Um, yes. Yeah, it was duck race. That's right. Yeah. And we do a bobber race. So this is something that's been going on in the community of Conception Bay South for almost 30 years, we had an okay. in-person bobber race where we numbered all the bobbers one by one, and we sold tickets, <laughs> and we did a big carnival, and we would release the bobbers upstream and watch them all fly down over the, the waterfall there and catch them at the bottom, and the first bobber to the end was the big winner. And in COVID times, we really couldn't do that in-person uh, race. That We, we wouldn't want to. the bobbers to get COVID, would we, Eleanor? I mean, God forbid no, the bobbers no. got COVID. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. And we did used to have a really funny, uh, some people can probably find some old photos of this. We really did have a funny uh, mascot that was named Bob the Bobber. A year <laughs> Is that ago. Right? Was a, he was something to behold if you ever catch a, a photo of him around. But um, we wouldn't want them to be, you know, spreading any. Oh, no, we can't have any of that. Yeah, so we're we're switching now. We're doing an online uh, lottery. It's a 50-50 okay. lottery. And the race part of it all now is that there's only 20,000 tickets available to be sold in the province. And you do have to have a, a Newfoundland Labrador address to be able to do your purchase. But anybody within the province, whether you are nearby to Manuals River here in Conception Base House or you're up in Labrador or you're over on the West Coast or the Northern Peninsula or out Central, you can still buy a ticket uh, for this race. And right now, the jackpot is up over $27,000 already, and we expect it will climb uh, because tickets will be on sale until September for the big jackpot. But I wanted to give people the heads up because uh, we do have an early bird prize in addition to the big jackpot. So you could, you know, if you buy your ticket today or tomorrow before midnight, you'll get in our under our early bird deadline. Not only would you be possibly eligible to win that half of the jackpot prize you could also be eligible to win our early bird prize um which is either five thousand dollars cash or your choice mm -hmm. you could also decide to pick um one of our mini manual greenhouses instead which is built okay. by sun valley greenhouses and it's just like the one if you come out to the interpretation center here seven conception bay highway you can get a good uh view of the one that uh we have and it'll be just sort of just like that one and there's also a little video of that on the website bobarace5050.com if you're not physically in the area you can still get a good look at it and what a nice thing to have for the summer and uh, to get your your crops going and have a few uh uh, little groceries there, a save on that uh, if you're if you're growing your own veg uh, and maybe some fruit and some herbs and things for the fall. So today and tomorrow, the l very last chance to get those early bird tickets because if you're going to buy a ticket anyways, you know what they say, Tim. You're good, Eleanor. You're good. Keep pushing. Worm. That's right. So you might as well. And the tickets are available at bobberace5050.com, as I mentioned. Um, the tickets are $25 for one ticket, or you can bundle them and get more value for your dollar. You can get three tickets for $60. You can get five tickets for $75, or you can go ahead and get 10 tickets for $100. And all of those funds that we'll be raising uh, will go towards supporting Emanuel's River in all that we do. And that means that it's going towards our over six kilometers of developed trails, maintaining the ones we have and improving uh, the ones that we're still working on. And it goes towards, of course, uh, conservation of the River Valley and educational programs, just like our summer camp that's running all summer. Uh, we do science camps for uh, children finished grade kindergarten to finished grade two and finished uh grade three to grade five that's ongoing now all summer if people are looking for somewhere fun to hang out for the young ones and those are just the types of things that we love to do here to educate everybody about how to uh, take part in taking care of the world around you to be really in tune with with nature yeah. and uh, you know protect our beautiful fossils as well well, I'm glad I will have a look at the website after. Uh, next time I'm uh, actually home a week or two from now, go go have a look. I haven't seen the Manuals River in a while. So I look forward to all that and good work you're doing out there. 
Thank you very much. And, Tim, we welcome you if you do have a chance to come in the area, to come and visit. We're doing, you know, uh, exhibit tours and fossil site and heritage tours. No, you're not calling me a fossil, are you, Eleanor? I mean, my God, I, I, I chiseled out of... <laughs> no, I, w- I, would, I would never dream of doing anything, but I would invite you to come and see some just so you can see the difference in what is really old, what does old really Oh, there you go. You saved yourself in the end million years old right so you're nowhere near that age i'm sure uh, uh, thank you all right good well played nice to talk to you good luck with all of that and this old fossil might come out and look at some fossils i appreciate it oh, we'd love them. to have you tim that'd be okay. great thank you very much take okay. care have a nice day you too, you too. Bye. cecil sorry man we ran out of time but if you want to call tomorrow i'm back and we can talk about uh orangeman's day because i still don't understand why it's a holiday and i'm a good protestant i mean church of england uh was a server in the church but i still don't get orangeman's day anyway that's our day for today i want to thank fonz king did a great job as always getting us through and i i think it's important to end uh again with an appeal you heard uh, margaret tucker uh, and her son brendan is uh, brendan excuse me is missing if you see him if you know anything about him that can help the tuckers uh, get brendan home and uh, mrs tucker get her boy back uh, please please reach out uh, to the rcmp or crime stoppers to do all of that i'm tim powers that's open line for today talk to you tomorrow